Have you figured out a good way to store and organize all those cards that people send you? Well, we have. Hello There is an app that helps you declutter and digitize your greeting card collection. No longer must we keep our cards in a box that gets thrown into an attic or garage, never to be seen again. Hello There lets you digitize, save, and even organize by sender or hashtags so that you can take a look back at those cards whenever you're feeling nostalgic. It will give you an upcoming birthday reminder as well as save unique things like audio cards. So be sure to download Hello There from the App Store to start digitizing and organizing your greeting card collection today. Welcome to A Court of Fairies and Fangirls. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And this is a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast where we are obsessed with her books and can't stop thinking about them or talking about them. So we figured why not record us thinking and talking about it. We're going to break down chapters, go through each book separately, go into character analysis and any thoughts or kind of theories that we have about books, characters, plots, etc. And maybe play some fun games along the way. Exactly. So welcome and enjoy. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Alex. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, We have another awesome author interview to share with you this week. Yes, I feel like we might be saying that at the start of every episode this season. I mean, yeah. Which is not a bad thing. It's going to be another super fun episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we dive in, Sarah, what have you been reading recently? Um, So I, I think I've had like two major mind fucks part of my language oh. i know i don't generally swear you do not uh the first one not a book i watched the show shadow hunters oh which i don't know that's it's super old i think this yeah. came out in like i don't know 2015 i know i've never seen that i've never seen it either and i've been dying to watch something so i don't have netflix anymore mm-hmm. um and i really wanted the vampire diaries and it is not available unless you have netflix so i was like what can i watch hulu which I hate commercials, by the way. Yeah. Um, Hulu had Shadowhunters, and I was like, eh, it's in my genre. It's vampire huntery. Like, <laughs> let's let's go for it. Um, it's not a spoiler because this came out so long ago. Yeah. The the main girl falls in love with the main guy, and they are siblings. Ew. They find out they're siblings, and I was like, no, no, no. Like, ugh, I'm so cringed out by it. And so I find that like you find that out at the end of the first season, in the second season, but like he's still like sort of into her because your feelings just oh don't go God. away you know that's so gross it's so why like, is that a thing i i have never seen a show or read a book where like incest wound up happening and like they never they never slept together they kissed yeah but you could tell like they were attracted to each other they wanted to ew and i'm like how do you go from like making out with a guy to being like oh my gosh that's my brother i can't have feelings for him anymore ew. like just so weird like my brain is like still spiraling every time i like see them i'm like oh it's so cringe it's so awkward yeah and i was like, like how that. is this oh so mm. my brain is like all crazed out on that one Ew. and then i read this <laughs> book series called mindfucked it's yeah the mindfuck series by st abby and i think it's super funny that that's her pen name but it's stabby oh my you, gosh i was <laughs> which i didn't even realize that until i was like posting about it i was like oh my gosh i'm such an idiot like that's so clever so crafty but um the series blew my mind so i'm an enneagram one so i love you know order yeah. the law moral like everything's black and white it's very clear right. this whole series was it's it's five books but each book is maybe like 100 to 200 pages so i read like one book a day for five days and just finished the series 
Um, but the whole premise is the main girl is a serial killer and she falls in love with this FBI agent mm. who's like on her case looking for her. Oh, so super interesting, <laughs> like setup. I was like, this is going to be so interesting. And it just, it makes you question like, is good good is bad bad like are good people bad like it was just my mind is still reeling after this and it's i was saying like i gave each book a three and there was like one or two that i gave a four or two but in general i'm like does the series deserve five stars because i'm still thinking about it it was just such a weird thought process that i i super struggle with as it really stuck with you as an enneagram one i'm like no this can't be like how is this right when it's wrong like i'm cheering for somebody that's killing people yeah. It's very interesting. So my mind is just like in all sorts of confusion after like Shadow Hunters, this series, it's craziness. Yeah. And then one of our listeners, I had like posted about this. She told me that the author was killed by her husband. No. And there's there's so there's speculation that it was either a car crash or he like shot her in a domestic dispute. And I was like, what is there speculation about that? I don't know. I was like, those are completely different extremes. Right. But that's insane if like this author who's into this whole like murderous kind of like romance thing gets killed by her husband i don't totally like crazy i know because i was trying to find her on instagram to like tag her and she didn't have instagram i was like well that's weird for an author not to have instagram yeah and then lo and behold it's because she's she was killed oh my god so that just you know whole nother level for the whole series yeah so there you go okay i know Wow. So that's my news. (laughs) (laughs) We have like a theme, I think, going on this week because I actually also just finished a book that was like a mystery thriller. Okay. Um, And it was a Lisa Jewell book called The Night She Disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I actually listened to it on audio. And if anyone is a fan of Downton Abbey, Mm -hmm. um, the girl who plays Anna did the voices for it. And she did so good. Like, she is like a true, like, Downton Abbey is obviously like a live show but like she could be like a voice actor Mm -hmm. because she had such different voices for each person that's awesome like drastically different i was so impressed that's super impressive she had all these different accents and and, like you could really tell the it just it blew my mind so it was a really enjoyable listening experience but the story was oh my god it was so crazy it was like all of these different timelines and they came together and it's like this you know young girl and her boyfriend their like young parents Mm -hmm. go out one night her mom is watching the baby and they disappear and it's what happened to them and where are they and interesting it's it was so good i have a girlfriend who loves lisa jewel and is always talking her up mm-hmm. and i think this was my first lisa jewel book as i haven't as read I her remember but she's on my list to read yeah and it was oh my gosh it was so good was it surprising were you um i was more relieved um, okay. by the end of it personally um but i did the way the storylines kind of went i i i started out being like oh it was this person mm-hmm. and then as it continued on, I was like questioning that decision. I was like, Oh, maybe it was this, or maybe it was that, or maybe it was that, or maybe it was that. And it turns out my gut reaction was actually correct. So Mm. I was like, um, (laughs) but it did have me like really like guessing and like questioning along Mm -hmm. the way. So that was really cool. Um, and then ultimately it had an ending that like was very satisfying without spoiling everything. That's good. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Would highly recommend. It's been a while since I've listened to slash or read 
a mystery thriller. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like since I got pregnant, I was I've become way more sensitive. Yeah. To being like scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I like avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Um, but this was like a good re-intro into it because it good. wasn't like scary, but mm-hmm. it was like a good. It's got that thrill. Yeah. It had a little bit of thrill to it. So mm-hmm. would highly recommend, especially the audiobook. Good. Um, so anywho, that's what I've been reading. Cool. All right, so Sarah, who are we interviewing this week? This week, we have the lovely Tay Rose. Oh, my God. She wrote Threaded. Mm -hmm. This, just to remind y'all, was that so fun, like, fantasy book meets Bachelorette. Yes. Vibe. Yeah. We loved it. I think we both, what, four-starred this book? I think so. I think so. Um, So... We're super excited for this. Tay was such an incredible interviewee. Mm-hmm. I guess is the proper terminology, but <laughs> we hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Yeah, enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. We have another phenomenal episode ahead of you today. We are interviewing the incredible Tay Rose, author of Threaded. Mm-hmm. Tay, welcome. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Awesome. Uh, we're so glad to have you. Yes. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we're just going to jump in. So we would love to know a little bit about you. Like, who are you? How'd you get into writing? Tell us the, like, personality, everything. (laughs) What's your Hogwarts house? What, like, important things? (laughs) All the important questions. Well, yeah, of course. Um, So I, I mean, so Taylor's is my pen name. My Taylor's my real name. So, I mean, you guys can call me Tay or Taylor. It's whatever you guys want. Um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and I'm really just, I'm an indie author and I'm just kind of a hobby writer, I guess. Okay. Um, I've been writing my whole life though. So, um, like back in the day when we were all writing one direction fan fiction, um, you know, that was me <laughs> back in like middle school writing about, you know, I think I wrote a story for my friend about her meeting, uh, Louie Tomlinson at one point. I oh. found that story on my computer. So that was a really fun little dive into the past. That's um, so yeah, I've been writing my whole life, but Threaded is my first like published book. Um, and I'm going to get into how that happened later, Bob. But like, um, yeah, that, that's a little bit just overview of me, I guess, of like me, the author. And then, um, like I said, I kind of have this weird alter ego with like my separate life and then my writer life. But, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> my uh, Hogwarts house. Um, so I'm a Gryffindor. Love I've it. taken the test and everything, but I've decided I'm more like a Neville Longbottom type of Gryffindor, okay. especially people who like get to know me and stuff like, you know, book smart, just wants to talk about gillyweed, um, <laughs> you know, but Loki can take a sword out of a hat and kill a snake um, and win the war. So that's how I like to think of myself as right. Like the, the duality of that, like the dork at the same time, but also, yeah. you know. I love it. Uh, of Harry Potter, I was a Marauders fan fiction girly. That was that Ooh. was my area of choice. I miss those. There days. you go. There so you go. Trying to go on, like when I go home, like getting on my mom's like desktop and seeing if I can find the old drafts. But <laughs> I also don't want to. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. I also got into like a weird phase in high school where I kind of like was a scene kid and I was writing like super emotional, angsty, like poems and stuff like this. And my dad found one in a drawer once. He's like, did you write this? And I was like, I mean, that's really good, but I promise I'm really not that sad. I don't know what that is. (laughs) I don't remember it, but it must've been me if it was no one else, Um, which is hilarious, but you know, whatever. We all go through those little phases in life. Mm -hmm. Don't we all? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I personally was never a writer, so I did not write fanfic, nor did I read it, but I appreciate everyone else's intensity. Yes. 
She's a late nerd. I know. I am. <laughs> it's okay. We welcome you to the nerd community nonetheless. Like you're always welcome. <laughs> Um, all right. So, um, what inspired you to be an author and like write this book specifically? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've always been writing, um, you know, English classes, they were always my favorite, um, you know, growing up, I was also always a reader, like I, every single book I get my hands on specifically a book with a dragon in it. Like I was just like gobbling it up, give it all to me. That was me. Of course, that I went through my little dystopian phase, like we all did, you know, the Hunger Games and, <laughs> um, you know, Divergent. We all got crushed at the end of Allegiant and that's fine. Um, so I, you know, I've, I've been through those phases and I like, you know, was reading mass market paperbacks with like, again, if it had a dragon on the cover, I was probably reading it. Um, I don't know what I was doing in the adult fantasy section that young, but I was whatever. Um, <laughs> So like I said, I've always been kind of a reader, always a writer. And, um, you know, that was always kind of just something I did on the side, like a fun little hobby, creative outlet. Um, that would just a way to, you know, spend, stay up too late on weeknights um, and be too tired at school the next day. So um, in, I forget when it was, December of like 2021, I joined Bookstagram specifically because, you know, that was when Akatar was making like its big resurgence. And like, I've been a Sarah J. Mask girly since like the beginning of time. Like I read Throne of Glass, but like it was still had the girl on the cover. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was through all of those releases coming out. So always been a Sarah J. Mask girly. I realized this whole section of the internet that's basically like a Sarah J. Mask fan club. <laughs> and I was just like, I want to be a part of that one, whatever that's going on over there. So um, join Bookstagram. And then I kind of saw this whole other world of indie authors, indie publishing, mm -hmm. and how these people, they're able to publish basically without a publishing house, just they just write their story and they get it out there. And some of them are quite successful. And I just kind of got thinking, I was like, you know what? Like, I think I could do that. Um, so that was kind of where the idea, because again, I've always been writing, always had stories, ideas, like always had little drafts and notes saved on my computer or on my phone of like little random story ideas, but like never really had like the motivation or like the means to just sit down and just do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of made a decision in January of 2022 to just like, I'm going to do this. Like, I think, you know, I've got a story and I've got the idea. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a book and I'm going to try to publish it. Because why not? Like I'm working a full-time job. I've got, you know, um, the ability to make this work. I've got, you know, I'm older. I'm, you know, nearing my 30s. And like I can do like I've got I've got the ability in my life now to do this. So let's let's give it a shot. Um, and that's kind of where this whole author journey started. Um, which was it's been a wild, wild almost two years, which is crazy. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, so you said that you have, you've had these ideas and these little like sticky notes everywhere. So tell us a little bit about like this world and the, the mm -hmm. thought behind how you developed it. Yeah, of course. So uh, this is also kind of a, a longer story, I guess, but we love story, um, interviewing you, we so, want to hear the stories. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so basically, so back in like eighth grade English class, we had a project where we had to write an original folktale. Um, and a folktale is like an, you know, an oral story passed down by generations that explains some kind of natural phenomenon, right? Um, and like, I don't know why, but that project stuck in my head. And that project was totally unrelated to what the, sto the story of Threaded is and what that world is. But it's this whole idea of like looking at a natural phenomenon and writing an original folk story about how that came to be. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to say like, you know what, I would love to try that again, you know, as an adult, 
um, you know, after I've had a little bit more life experience in my belt, but not just write the folktale, but write the story behind the folktale, like what actually happened um, that led to the, the, the natural occurrence or the natural event that people are now telling a folktale about. That's kind of where this whole idea started. And then it kind of just morphed into like, well, it's also going to be a fantasy romance because why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is kind of, I don't think it's like spoilery for the whole season, but I'll just, it's like a little tidbit into what is happening overall with this idea for Threaded's world. So my like ultimate, you know, natural phenomenon I wanted to explain with my underlying folktale here was why is it when sometimes you look at the moon and sometimes it's gold and sometimes it's silver. Um, So that's going to be like deep down hidden in there in this four book series that I have planned, but like that'll eventually be what we get at. And I'm super excited about it. And um, it's going to be a a ride. So that's amazing. I'm, I'm in awe. I would, the creativity (laughs) behind that is incredible. I have to ask though, do you already know, like how everything is going to pan out yeah. if you, you've got this whole four books here. It's all art. Oh yeah. I know exactly how it goes. Um, that was before I even started sat down to write. I had a notebook and it's sitting over in that closet over there, but I literally just wrote down like, how does this, what's the whole story arc here? And yeah, I, I know exactly how it ends. Um, I know some of the big beats that I want to hit along the way. I don't know, like all the nitty gritty and stuff. Um, like threaded was initially this is supposed to be a trilogy at first. And then mm-hmm. I started writing and where threaded ends is about halfway through where I had originally back in January, 2022 oh. planned to be my halfway point book one. So I was like, well, all right. I don't, okay. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want here. So book two will be kind of what I originally planned to be my initial second half of book one. Um, but I don't think I'm going to have that problem with the later books. I just somehow got to writing and realized that I, really love world building and I wanted to flesh out that there was so much more of this world that I wanted to explore and I wanted to lay the groundwork for these characters and they kind of took on their own life of its life of its own. Um, so I felt that in order to do it all justice, I needed to cut thread it off at that halfway point, make it a four book series and then kind of go from there. I love it. Gotcha. So I know you said that you love the world building piece, mm-hmm. but what was your favorite like moment to write about in this first book? Yeah, it's always been that first chapter from Andrian's POV. Um, I at the selection. If you've read it, then you then you know what that is. But um, it's the first chapter that's in his POV, and I, oh my god, that. So I think it was originally like my chapter eleven, but I think it ended up shaking out to be like chapter. I don't know what is it like twenty sixty. Oh, I don't even know. No, I don't know. Lord okay. knows. People, I I was asking like, oh, what chapter are you on when you're reading? And they're like, oh, chapter blah. And I'm like. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know why I just asked you that question because I have no idea what happens in chapter 22. Like I could not tell you, I know what's going on. So you got to tell me like what's actually happening, but, um, but yeah, so it's that first chapter and Andrean's POV at the selection. That's probably was my favorite thing to write. Um, and it still is to this day has been my favorite thing to write. Because I first off never planned to write anything in male POV um, in this book. But while I was writing, I was getting to that scene and I stopped and I said, this next one's got to be from his point of view. Like, it's just got to be. And then I got in there and um, I don't know, this is just like a throwback to, again, those high school seniors. But I loved getting into that angsty, angry, um, just like constantly mad at the world, like mindset 
mm-hmm. of like, I hate everything that's happening, but I can't stop it. Like what the hell is going on? You know, that just that whole headspace was mm-hmm. a blast to get into. And I also joke about that. Sometimes I think that I'm a dude inside. <laughs> um, and so getting to write from a guy's POV was similarly, um, it was just like a weird exercise, but it was so much fun. And I still think that was like my favorite thing to write. That's awesome. I, I mean, we love men written by women. I think yeah. they're superior. Yeah. So I'm yes. really glad that you gave us yeah. that like insight <laughs> into Yeah. And, and I loved getting into his mind and, you know, maybe it took some of like the broody mystery out of it, but I'm like, but I love being in his head and I want other people to get into his head too, because I think it explains a lot about why he's so frustrating, right? Because he is kind of a frustrating character and he's can be very unlikable. And I totally understand that. And I get that, but that's what makes me love him so much because he's so multifaceted and so multidimensional. Um, and you know, he's pretty gray. He's morally gray. And I, I love that about him. And I want people to get into his head and maybe start to understand why he is that way, because it's going to be important moving forward in the series. So well, I mean, I think people love it. Like mm-hmm. Twilight, we go back years later to get an Edwards POV. Yeah. It's from Blood and Ash. That just yep. had a Cassian or Cassian, Castile. Castile <laughs> POV. Like we love it. So it's nice that mm-hmm. you got ahead of that game and just gave it to mm-hmm. us. Early. Yeah. Well, I think it <laughs> yeah. makes me like Andrian a lot more because yeah. you get these, you know, awful, terrible characters that everybody's like, oh, this is the villain, but we know it's going to be the love interest is kind of the vibe that you get, but this kind mm-hmm. of makes me want him to be the love interest versus just yeah. like, I know it's going to happen kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Cause if you think about it, if you didn't get his POV, then you're sitting there like, uh, this guy is kind of an asshole. Why does she like him? Like, so right. I'm like, okay, we got it. We got to make people have some kind of draw to him or else it's going to be pointless. Like, well, yeah, that's the interesting thing about fantasy romances. I feel like mm-hmm. some people will miss that mark and they'll just like have this guy who's a total asshole. And then all of a sudden they're in love with him. And it's like, but wait, no, yeah. how did we get there? Yeah. How did we get yeah. there? Because some people yeah. don't want to love an asshole. Like they, mm-hmm. I want to love a good guy deep inside. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. comes off like a douchebag. Yeah. I'm not going to like that. And I don't like that the girls belong <laughs> to that. So when there's an actual reason, it like, makes more mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we talked about like getting into someone's head. Um, let's maybe get into your head for a minute. So what parts of yourself did you infuse into Mariah? If any. If any. Yeah, I mean, um, so I was thinking about this question. I think Mariah is kind of this amalgamation of all of those spicy comebacks that I wish I had said. You know, you're lying awake at night and you're like thinking about an interaction you had with somebody. And you're like, man, I wish I had said you know, so and so back to them. I think mm-hmm. Mariah is an amalgamation of all those kind of feelings and stuff. Um, because another thing about me, so I am actually a lawyer in real life. Wow. So like, yeah. So <laughs> I know random little thing. Um, so I often have interactions with people um, where I, it was a frustrating conversation and I wish I had said something differently or maybe stood up for myself in a different way. And I think Mariah ended up kind of becoming, like I said, that personification of the things I wish I had said to some of these people, specifically some men, but you know, we're not going to get into that whole tangent, but you know, that's where I think a lot of those things come from that she gets from me, right? That's not exactly me, right? Because it's not really like who I am, but it's the things that I lie awake at night saying, I wish I had been more like that or said that, Mm -hmm. um, And then, of course, you know, she also kind of deals with these whole struggles of like imposter syndrome, almost of like, I don't am not worthy of being here. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, You know, 
I was the wrong choice for this, blah, 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 blah. Like she has a lot of these kinds of struggles um, throughout the book that she eventually learns and kind of overcomes and, and conquers. And I, I think that right there is pulled a lot from me, especially, you know, being um, a young female lawyer um, in Tennessee, especially mm-hmm. um, where it's like this feeling of like, man, I don't know what I'm doing and I am totally in the wrong place. Uh, but it's just also the coming to realize that you are exactly where you need to be. And everything about you is exactly what, um, you know, the world around you needs. And I think she comes to realize that. And it was really kind of like, I guess, healing and healthy for me to write that arc for her because it made me kind of realize the same things. So I I have chills. I love that. (laughs) That brings a whole different perspective to her own book. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we we have to talk about the spice a little bit. So obviously... (laughs) So, spoiler, um, Mariah has <laughs> seven incredible men who yes. essentially mm-hmm. entourage in this book. Mm-hmm. And she's supposed to bond with them. And the first person she bonds with is Sebastian. Minor spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seemed incredible. I was like, oh, Sebastian, yeah. he's the one. But her like subconscious and the magic is really preferring Andrea. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think that is? I mean, so absolutely. Sebastian is perfection personified. Like if I were to just be like, this is the perfect man in a box, here you go. That's Sebastian. (laughs) Right. Um, but I think part of Mariah's character almost is that she doesn't want that. Like she recognizes instantly how perfect he is. Right. And she's got this mantra. She repeats to herself, right. That, no, this love is a weakness, right? Like I can't allow myself to fall in love because that is a weakness, right? I can't be the person that I want to be if I'm in love. Um, and she knows she can fall in love with this guy real easy. Like, I think we all did. Like, I think we're all like, oh my God, he's it. Yeah. Um, and so she's also got this like vein of stubbornness to her, right? That's like, you know, I I love is a weakness. Like I will not fall in love. I refuse. Um, so, and she kind of just sticks to it. So that's kind of why I think she pushes Sebastian away a little bit, you know, there's that first bonding scene. And I wanted to use that scene to kind of illustrate what the bonding is, you know, cause we got to like, she's like, what's going on here, but I want to do it seven times. That's annoying. Um, so that first scene is kind of like illustrating what it is. And Sebastian makes her feel really safe, right? Because again, he's perfect. Like he could not be more perfect and he continues to be pretty perfect. Um, but the question then is, is, you know, is perfection in a person, does that mean that they're perfect for everyone? And I think, you know, that's kind of like the realization that my Mariah has is like, he's perfect, but he's not what I need. Um, and, and he's not really what I want because I don't want that. I don't want love. I don't want to be able to fall in love with someone like that. Um, but she's also a pretty physical being. I don't know if you kind of picked up that from Mariah. Like she like definitely finds distractions in like the physical world. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where and there's always been this kind of pull between her and Andrea and spoiler, I guess, I don't know, but <laughs> I, um, you know, there's always been that kind of pull. So, you know, later on when she finds herself, you know, again, falling back into these old habits, I guess that she has, where she's like, I need a distraction. You know, if she were to go to Sebastian, I don't think Sebastian would have given that to her. I think Sebastian would try to like com- comfort her and, you know, console her and make her feel better. And that's not what she wants at that moment. She wants what Adrian can offer her. Right. Um, and I, there's a couple other scenes later on that I was kind of thinking about, right. That's like, um, you know, maybe she gets vengeful at a certain moment. Right. And Sebastian says, you need to get yourself safe. You need to get away and, you know, not take vengeance at this moment. And she's like, uh, no, like that, 
that's not who I am. That's not what I'm going to be. And Andrian's like, just like, all right, like, I'll, I'll say out of your way, but let's go. Right. Um, so I think it's like moments like that where Sebastian's perfect, but he can also be very protective. And, um, you know, he just wants to make sure that she's constantly safe and taken care of. And she doesn't always want to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think regardless of what, you know, of course there's the magic and the pull between her and Andrea and that'll get explored later on. Like there's also reasons for that too, but regardless of like the supernatural pull between the two of them, like there's also, I think elements of Mariah's character that's like rejects this whole almost protectiveness and perfection that Sebastian can offer her. So. Mm. Well, so you bring up the magic and mm-hmm. I just back to your, like the folklore that you're talking about of why is the moon both silver and gold? She has this silver mm-hmm. and gold dueling magic inside of her. What mm-hmm. impact do you think that has on her? Like in these relationships as a ruler, like what, Tell us a little bit more about the dueling magic. Yeah, I mean, so it's certainly overwhelming at first, right? Because, you know, at the beginning of the story, she has nothing. And she's like content with going about her life, being an ordinary person who's able to kind of vanish off into the, the nothingness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it comes out and find out, you know, she, she's not ordinary, right? There's something here and it's, it's more than just the regular old kinds of magic that everyone else has, right? Um, and then they are kind of this dueling thing, right? I think the gold magic society to be like warm and calming and life-giving. And then the silver magic is almost like vengeful and dark. Um, and, and those are corresponding to, to things later on, um, that I'm not going to spoil for people who have not read, but, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's overwhelming at first for her, but she kind of learns to embrace the duality. Uh, of those two different kinds of magic. And, and that's kind of what goes into this whole like folk tale eventually, right? Is that mm-hmm. there's a du- there's a dual nature um, to, to her and then to the magic as well. And um, just because they are so different doesn't mean that they can't, you know, coexist um, harmoniously, honestly. And that's kind of how it gets later on, right? It's almost like it becomes one magic mm-hmm. that she has. It's less of like two distinct things inside of her and it becomes this one thing that she has. Um, and that'll be explored, of course, later on. And there's a reason for all that. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just like it presents a challenge to her at first. And then she just learns to to cope with it and, and to realize that there's a reason she has both. And, um, you know, both can be beneficial when working together. So mm-hmm. uh, speaking of challenges, you know, wh- this is the premise of the book. So uh, this should be spoiler. <laughs> she essentially becomes queen. There's this power. She becomes queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about why you decided to make her not royal. Like she, she doesn't come from a royal mm-hmm. lineage. She comes from like a, the average normal family. And obviously that, that causes mm-hmm. trouble for her. So how do you think mm-hmm. that impacts her style of ruling? What went mm-hmm. into making those decisions? I mean, she's certainly nowhere near as practiced and polished as I think yeah. they would like her to be. That's, um, true. that's certainly be sassy. <laughs> yeah. And that's certain the point. And it, and it also goes back to, there's that, the prologue, right? Just the, the right out of the gate. Um, you know, we've got a lot of heavy foreshadowing going on. Um, and you know, that's just going to be a lot of spoilers, but not really, I'll, I'll try to keep it as spoiler free as possible, but like, you know, so the magic is goddess blessed, right? It's, it's driven by the goddess and, and kind of in the past, it's kind of been kind of floating through, but something is different about this time around when it's picking the next queen, right? Um, and there's a certain, there's a new element to the magic that gets picked, specifically the silver magic, right? 
And um, there's a certain wildness that's necessary there. I think that's also kind of touched on and hinted on this need for chaos um, and, and almost like freedom, I guess. And, um, you know, the royal family is like, it, it was just kind of a comfort thing, I guess. I think I haven't really touched on yet in book one about why the royals are always the one who got chosen, blah, 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 blah. Um, that will be touched on more um, in book two, especially. Um, but I mean, I, I think it was just kind of like something different was needed. What happened, there's something coming. What we've been doing in the past wasn't working. So we have to try something different. And when I say we, I mean the all, the all of above's <laughs> we. <I don't> <laughs> um, so you know, something different is needed. And Mariah kind of fit into that category of of what is needed as the next ruler. But of course, that's what the gods think. That's not necessarily what the people recognize, right. especially the lords, right? So, um, you know, what she can bring and what she does eventually bring this like element of change um, is needed, but not exactly received well. So mm -hmm. such as such as change, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, she was she is, was a fascinating female main character. Yes. I I loved reading her and her perspective. It just it was mm -hmm. such a joy. Mm -hmm. totally yeah, she's good. something else. She she can be a little heathen spinning around in my head. Let me tell you, she, we we all need a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, she can get sassy, and that's kind of funny. I, I put us in a thread the other day that was basically like. I was like, you know, writing, it was like a, a small little like snippet of what I've been working on for book two. And I was just like, and how do we deal with trauma? And it said, Mariah said, with sass. And she gets really <laughs> sassy to someone. And, be, and if you know the scene that I was writing, I was like, that sass was, you should not be getting sassy right there. But, you know, work. Okay. That's what we're going to do. Um, and it, it was, it's kind of fun to write in that kind of like almost like unhinged female perspective. Like, <laughs> like, especially in book two, she, uh yeah things are not going great <laughs> but we'll get to that later <laughs> unhinged that descriptor is cracking me up uh -huh. good. i'm a little unhinged internally too so it's fun to just be like just let it go just let it free and just let her have her moment so that's amazing um well thank you so much for going into all those questions about the book we don't want to spoil mm -hmm. anything yeah. so yeah we're gonna move on to some other things um regarding like writing and publishing so you're obviously mm -hmm. an indie author and i know you mentioned at the beginning how it's a totally different process for indie authors now i feel like it's way easier to get your book out there you know with bookstagram and just mm -hmm. independent publishing houses so many um, more different routes different routes thank you oh yes oh yes um, so what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to write a book um, or mm -hmm. for the first time? I mean, the first step uh, that I kind of just tell everyone is just write the damn book, right? That, <laughs> you, you don't like, I always see people coming to me like, oh, I have a book idea, but like, can you talk to me about publishing, blah, blah, blah. And like, my advice is just like, just write it. Like, I, you, you don't know what you want to do or what the story is going to be good for, whether that's, you know, querying and going the traditional route or going through an independent publishing route until you just write it and you know what the story is, right? Because if it's going to be sitting in your head, whatever's sitting in your head, I guarantee is going to be different than what flows out on the paper. So just get that story out of your head onto the page, write the damn book, and then, you know, then you can come back to it, right? You know, some stories, um, it may be better to try going through the query process and trying to go through and find, you know, a traditional, traditional publishing route. Um, I mean, it takes longer, right? I mean, a lot of times you can sign an agent and then wait years to still for your book to get picked up by a publisher. And then 
you know, you've written 16 books in that time frame. So, you know, um, it's just different. But then sometimes, you know, like, for example, I think um, like new adult or adult fantasy romance does very well in the independent publishing sphere. Right. Mm-hmm. I think indie authors who write in this adult in a fantasy romance genre do great with indie publishing. Um, and it's really hard to get picked up by an agent in those kind of genres anyways. Um, so, you know, that's it's knowing your genre too, right? So if you're not really writing something that agents are really looking for, maybe, you know, looking into the indie sphere is, is something to, to consider um, because it can guarantee you getting your book out to readers faster, especially if that's something that you want to do. Right. Um, maybe you don't really care about getting it out to readers fast and that's fine. Um, you know, but for me, again, this was just kind of like a side project and a hobby. And I knew if I didn't kind of do it myself, I probably would never have done it or gotten it out there. Um, cause I don't have the time to, you know, draft query letters and do all that. Um, I'm, I just, I write at night after I work my nine to five job and I come home and then I do all the things. Um, so, I mean, that's probably my number one piece of advice is just, just write the book, right? You don't know what it is until you have it. Um, and then from there, you can kind of explore other options. Um, you know, and I will say, if you go the indie route, I've had a blast doing this, um, but it's not, you know, it is entirely self-funded. So you have to be, make sure that you're like ready for that, right? To self-fund a project. Um, and for me, you know, I wanted to make sure that I put something that didn't feel amateur out. I wanted to make it feel polished and feel professional. Um, so, you know, I hired editors and proofreaders and all those things. And that was important to me. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of what I would recommend, especially if you're indie, right? There's no one really looking over your shoulder and, you know, checking off boxes for you, making sure, you know, you're doing all the things and making sure you're putting out, you know, the best possible book into the world. It's kind of just on you. So, um, you know, making sure that you're, you're hiring the proper people to make sure that, you know, this project becomes uh, what it deserves, right? I think it's really just doing the story justice rather than, you know, um, you know, yourself anything. But... Um, you know, that's, that's probably my, some of my biggest piece of advice for sure. I got you. I love that. Well, I definitely think, mm-hmm. I mean, having editors pays off because I can't tell you the number mm-hmm. of books that I've seen spelling errors, <laughs> grammatical errors. So I think it does make it feel more polished, more professional. Absolutely. And I think it just makes mm-hmm. for a better read. So yeah. And I still, you know, I don't know how many proofreads I did. And like I said, I had an editor and a proofreader and I still flip through and I'm like, Oh, there's a typo. And I'm like, oh. Like this is so annoying. I like I think I found one. I was like reading the other day and just like picked up a random chapter, started reading, and I was like, I spelled the word wa- waiver wrong. I spelled it the way like legalese waiver is, like W-A-I-V-E-R instead of W-A-V-R, like you know, like wavering. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like no one's gonna notice that but me, probably, but right. I saw it and I was like, oh my god. So, you know. It's fine. And then my mom, so my mom's read it, which is another whole other thing. Um, <laughs> I think my mom, my grandma, and my aunt have all read this book because they've all left reviews on Amazon. And I'm like, oh my God, my grandmother read this. So, <laughs> which is adorable. They're all super sweet. But also, I'm like, huh, I know what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> they now know what I wrote. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it. I love writing um, some of the spicier scenes. But like, it kind of makes me sweat a little bit when knowing that they've all read that too. So, um, but it's fine. You know, I'm an adult. We're all adults here. I guess November <laughs> around Thanksgiving will just be a really fun time. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, there's sometimes, um, like my mom was interested in the podcast we were doing. So she started mm-hmm. reading A Court of Thorns and Roses. And I was mm-hmm. like, eh. but, then, but then I was remembering, I was like, she's the one who recommended like Outlander to me when I yeah. was like 20 years old. She knows. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. what. 
he started like it's all of us my like, husband yes my husband yesterday asked he's like oh like is because i was just reading on my kindle he's like is that a chili spice scene oh my god he's obsessed with the term chili spice now he thinks it's so funny and i was like actually yes he's like can i read it i was like no no <laughs> No, well, you cannot. He like once he's like, can you like give me a like a chili spice scene? And I was like, I don't know if I can uh-uh. actually give hilarious. it to you. It makes me cringe on the inside to think about him reading because I was like, what's a chili spice scene that I know of offhand? Obviously, chapter fifty five. Yeah, of, oh, yeah, yeah. But I was yeah. like, I like physically give him this book to do read it without like dying inside. Do it. I don't know. You'll be fine. I'm debating still. So. Yeah, I had my mom read Akatar last year too because again, so. She, I mean, I got my love of reading from her and then she got her love of reading from my grandma. So it's like this whole, we all been reading. I think my grandma has been reading like Fabio cover romances since the dawn of time. Like that's like, they've all been reading this kind of stuff for a while. So it's not anything new. And I'm like, and I think also like Threaded has some spicy scenes on it, but it's not the spiciest thing that I know is out there. And I know they've read spicier. Um, (laughs) And so... Like, you know, I had my mom read Akatar, right? And, you know, she she just, like, devoured those books in, like, a, a weekend because she's insane. Um, and then, like, every time she's over, like, she comes to visit me. She, like, I'll, she's, like, got any books for me? And I'm, like, here, I just read this. This is really good. And I will have to make sure I go through it, like, untab some things from the book because, like, I will... <laughs> I like to tab like quotes that I could use later on, like in reels and stuff, because I was a bookstagrammer before I ever became an author, right? Like I like love promoting books that I read and just talking about the books that I read. So I like to make reels as I feature like spicy quotes and I'll tab them and I'll have to be like, I have to untab these because like she won't understand why I have like that tabbed in my book. <laughs> that is too funny. So... But I mean, you know, so I've been sharing books like that with her for a while. And I'm pretty sure she knew that I read like Fifty Shades of Grey in whenever yeah. that book came out. When, right. Way before we should have been reading it, like eighth grade yeah, or something like, like that. So in high school, like I should not have read that in high school. Mm-mm. But I Looking think- back, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, there was no reason for us to be reading like, you know, really bad uh, BDSM <laughs> stuff. Like that is correct. But oh. I- Speaking of books that you have read, what are, you know, mm-hmm. some authors that you admire or kind of mm-hmm. love their work? Well, like I said, I am a total mass trash. Love Sarah J. Mass. Like, she can do no wrong to me. And I jokingly call her mass trash. I love Sarah J. Mass, guys. Like, that's <laughs> like, um, like I said, like, I read Throne of Glass back when it was like still just, you know, got the, had the girl on the cover. And like, I suffered through the releases of all those books. And then it was through college where like Empire of Storms came out. And I read it when it came out and then I had to just sit there and stare at a wall and for like two years. And Sarah, this is, this is just how rude she was. I'm talking as a fight knower. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like she released Empire Storms and left us with that cliffhanger. Um, And then she went a year and then dropped Tower of Dawn. And like, I was like, I was like, you really expect me to go read a book about kale when you just left me? with that beach scene like where is my wife like you leave me on that and then you expect me to go pick up like a 900 page book about kale no no i'm not gonna do that so and people tell me that tower dawn's like one of their favorite books they've ever read like they love it so much um no. i don't know how you guys feel about it you guys favorite <laughs> yeah. book of the whole like sjm universe like under frost and starlight like it's the worst book i don't think it's now wow First, I think because of when, like the placement, like you said, the beach. The placement. You can't put that book next. 
I think the tandem read now, people who have the ability to do that, do it. I wish I had the ability to do that tandem read. But so I have not read Tower Dawn to this day. It's the only Charlie Rouse book I haven't read other than the Tower Dawn. Oh, one. Okay, you should. Um, it's, it's, it's not that I bad. know. So I want to do a reread soon. And I will. Because I at that point, like, I've read all these books. Like, I've read all the other ones like, at least four times. So I'm like, I think I can deal with the cliffhanger now because I know what's going on here. So I think I can read it and whatever. But like, yeah, so I, you know, waited two years between Empire Storms and then Kingdom of Ash. And I just picked up Kingdom of Ash. I was like, oh, cool. They're riding birds. I don't know what's going on here. Like, I had no idea what happened in the Southern Continent. And my guess is what I get. So I just kind of had to figure it out. Um, (laughs) But it was like a spite thing. I'm like, Sarah, I am not. Miss Sarah Janet, I am not doing this. Like, I'm not going to pick up that book. You got to tell me what happened to Aelin or else I'm going to riot. So. Yeah, anyways, that's my little <laughs> Thunder Glass tangent. I love Thunder Glass. Thunder Glass is probably like one of my favorite series of all time. I, for me personally, I know this is like a little controversial, but I put it above Akatar and I put it above Crescent City. Um, I think so too. Like, it's the epic feel of it, right? Yeah. Like, one, the how vast the world feels, um, like the depth of the characters, the variety of the cast, like yeah. everything about it is like God tier. I love it. Um, 10 out of 10, no notes. Um, love it so much. Um, and then you know, Kingdom of Ash just wrecked my soul and left it lying on the floor in a puddle. Um, covered. <laughs> no, I don't think I ever will, frankly. Um, sometimes <laughs> if I ever need to cry, I'll go pick up the chapter with the thirteen and I'll oh, just read it. Nice. Because ah. I am a sadist, but it's fine. Um, it's fine. <laughs> but and then I mean, Akatar is Akatar, right? And we read that, and it's fun. It's a good time. Um, you know, the romance is great. Uh, it's kind of like the template for fantasy romance, and and that's fantastic. I love what Sarah's done for, done for the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it really kind of expanded the fantasy romance world. Um, and I love that. I love that so much. And then Crescent City is just been a blast and a half. And I'm like, we're just going full on, you know, Marvel superheroes. And I love it. Like, let's do it. Um, so I can't wait for whatever happens. And it's going to be a long book. It's probably going to have a lot of filler in it and I'll be slow, but I don't care. Like, Mm -hmm. just, just keep giving it to me. I I will read whatever she writes and it's fine. Um, We're literally planning on like taking a few days off of work and having like just a read, read a thon for the two of us because (laughs) yeah. I've thought about it, but I was like, I don't know. Like, would I? I don't know. I don't know. So we'll, I'm gonna let that just kind of come and go and see what happens. But I think I think it should become like a national holiday. I think we should all take the day off. I think we should just read the, out of that book, like you did when you picked up Harry Potter at midnight and mm-hmm. you just read through the night. Oh like, yes, that's what I want. Yes. Oh yeah, so. I went to a Breaking Dawn uh, release party back in the day when that was a thing. Dressed Love up it. like we all wore like our Twilight T-shirts, and some people dressed up as vampires, and we stayed up till. That was fun times. Um, <laughs> but I guess the other author that really kind of is inspiring to me on like an indie perspective is probably Carissa Broadbent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, just kind of. One, I love her writing. I think her prose is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I like to read books with really pr- beautiful prose in it. Like, yeah. I will forgive a lot if the writing's pretty. Like, yeah. oh, pretty writing. Like, ooh, the, the words are cool. Like, I like it. Um, so, um, you know, I think her her brand of storytelling and her prose is, I, I really love it. Um, and also the fact that, you know, she was completely indie and she was kind of, you know, like me, just kind of did this on the side as like a passion project working a full-time job and her books have just kind of taken off and you know serpent in the wings of night has gotten mm-hmm. signed um and it's now gonna be now she has a publishing deal now um and, and all these things um and i think 
that's really um, inspiring for like another indie author with kind of like a similar starting point, right? Like I would love to one day get to be, you know, like she is. I mean, that's like crazy. I'm not expecting that or anything like that. Like, again, I'm just here doing this as like a hobby, but her trajectory is really inspiring. And I'm, I'm so happy for all of her success. And um, I want to be her friend, Carissa, if you're listening, please. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Welcome. Hello. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, so she's at her, just whole trajectory is really inspiring. Um, and I, I just love reading her books too. I haven't read um, some of her, the newest one, um, just cause I needed a break from the vampires, but um, you know, I, I think that what she's doing is really cool and I really, it's, it's inspiring. So. I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of just wrapping it up. So what do you have in store for book two? Obviously no heavy spoilers, but, but you can hint if you a want. Date? We're welcome to uh, any yeah. yeah, I can give you guys some updates. Um, so, I mean, I know when, when everyone will be listening to this. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully by the time everyone listens to this, I will be done with my first draft of book two. Um, if I'm not, then someone can get into my DMs and yell at me. Um, <laughs> so I really need to be done with it by November 1. So, um because just the way that editing works out and I had, do have deadlines. And then I also have other secret projects that I've kind of gotten lingering in the back of my head that I want to, um, we can talk about this, but, um, so book two, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, based on the cliffhanger in book one, right. And like I said, the way my story arc worked, book one was always supposed to be kind of this halfway point Mm -hmm. for what was originally the first book. Um, and so I guess in a lot of ways, book one, feels almost like uh, a prequel, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of not intentional, but it's kind of just how it shaped up to kind of feel. Um, so, you know, it is kind of more world building heavy character driven kind of building things up, getting you and familiar with everything going on because in the you know second half of that little introduction book two is what it is, you know, shit hits the fan, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of where we start having a lot of our major reveals um, you know, a lot more action will come into play. Um, it will definitely be a little darker. Um, you know, again, if you've read it, you know, the cliffhanger ends in book one, it's kind of, you know, it's going to be a little bit darker in the beginning of book two. And it's been really hard writing this. Um, I've never read anything this dark before, um, which do with that, which you will, but, um, it's, um, like, I don't usually cry while I write, but I got, I wrote a scene recently where I, I cried. Um, it, it was, it it was, but I'm not, I know. (laughs) Yeah. So like, it's, it's, it's definitely the first half or the first third of book two is going to be like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's dark. But then, you know, we get out, we, you know, um, we go through some stuff, gets a little bit lighter. And then, you know, the, the climactic scene at the end, um, will be hopefully if I, if I do it right, um, and I pull it off, um, will be like the first big major reveal. Um, you know, we'll get to see, you know, the big bad, as I like to call it, like we'll get to see, really see more of like our, of our villains, um, and who the true villain is and what's really going on here. Um, maybe even some deaths, which we all love, but I don't want to, I don't want to tease anything too much, but yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what's planned for book two. And I'm hoping for a fall 2024 release for book two. So that's kind of why I've got some deadlines in place. 
I know it's so far away, but again, I'm really kind of like anal about the editing process and stuff like that. Like I'm like a perfectionist and I need it to be perfect and I don't want to feel rushed. Um, I also kind of have this like release schedule, like, you know, like, so book one came out on the summer solstice book two. I plan to come out on the fall equinox. Um, and then book three, I plan for the winter solstice and then book four on the spring equinox. So, you know, like, that's so cool. Yeah. So like, I, I'm like, you know, it's like Taylor Swift mastermind plays, but I've got it all planned out. Like I know exactly how it works. Um, so I, you know, that's kind of out there too. So that's kind of where these deadlines come from. And I was like, it was never going to be done by this year's fall equinox. That'd be crazy. So it'll just be the next year. And then maybe, you know, I, I'll get on a faster schedule. Who knows? Um, but like I said, no. I do have some other I, I yeah. love the logic, stick with the logic. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, but like I said, I do have some other secret projects kind of in the works that I want to kind of work on while, you know, book two is in, you know, beta reader, alpha reader hands or editor's hands that, you know, I'm just sitting there sharing going to my computer, like, wait to do something. So I have like some other projects. Specifically, I've got this idea for a pirate story. Um Ooh. We're super interested in pirates right now. Please. I don't Everyone think- is into pirates right now. And I I like was watching some random documentary on the Smithsonian channel one day because that's what I do because I'm a nerd. Um, and they said this quote and it was like, um, thousands can live without love, but none can live without water. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> You're like, what can I do with so? <laughs> I think I could do something with that. So I've got this idea. I've got some Pinterest boards going. Um, but so that's probably going to be kind of this like other project that I will be working on, um, you know, in conjunction with this series as I kind of finish it out. Um, there will probably be some pirates coming in separately. Different world. We're not related. It's just going to be, there's going to be pirates involved at some point. So love it. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have answered all of our questions and you have been incredible. Hey, this has been so much fun. So fun. This is so much fun. I'm sweating. I don't know why, but I am. So (laughs) there's a lot of pressure. We get it. I I get it. That's fine. Um, everybody make sure you check out Threaded by Tay Rose. It's phenomenal. It is. Um, and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to A Court of Fairies and Fangirls, a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and let us know what you think. Check out our Patreon for more ways to support and connect with us for as low as $1 a month. You can also find us on Instagram at, at @fairiesandfangirls. Jump in on the conversation, and we look forward to chatting with you more next week. Bye. Bye.